God is the God of the universe. God is the God of everybody. And that is what John was referring to when he said that the one that does not love does not know God. But the confidence that you must have in the word of God from within, that deep assurance, heaven is a state of happiness which comes as a result of living a useful life. The heavenly pursuit is usefulness. The heavenly pursuit is love. The wisdom of God, it is universal. It is universal because it does not belong to a certain set. So Reverend Seau will let us know about the baby. All right. So Reverend Seau, let's put our hands together for Reverend Seau. Some of you think Reverend Seau, his Reverend is a nickname. It's not a nickname. But Reverend Seau is really a Reverend. And if you think Reverend Seau, Reverend Seau is like a nickname Reverend. No. He's Reverend. So this was the experience what happened through the delivery process. The Saturday before Yvonne's delivery, we arranged with the doctor to come the next Wednesday for delivery. But from the whole of Saturday, the whole of that Saturday evening to Sunday, Yvonne couldn't sleep. And we noticed that her BP was rising at a very fast rate. So we spoke to the doctor, I think Sunday evening, and the doctor suggested that although she was supposed to go through the CS, the cesarean section on Wednesday, but because of her condition, because her BP was rising, we should try and be there on Monday evening so that early Tuesday morning, he would do the procedure and take baby out. So we made the necessary arrangements and went there on Monday. Still, her BP was very high. So the Monday evening, they're trying to talk, trying to encourage her, trying to take her mind off so that she doesn't get anxious and become afraid of the procedure. That was the second time she was doing the CS. But then it looks like he never grew out of the fear of it. So we spoke in the night. She was able to sleep. I slept off for some time. So Tuesday, early Tuesday morning, around 5 a.m., the anesthetist came to give her the injection. Then they took her to the theater. So when they took her to the theater, I was just... At the ward, it was a private ward, so I was just at the ward praying and listening to some music and praying. So while I was at the theater, then I heard footsteps and was like the person was running, the person was rushing. And I realized it was one of the nurses who was with the doctor at the theater. She came, entered the ward with speed, and she looked disturbed. And I asked, what was the issue? She was like, doctor said, I should call you right now. You should come right now, follow me. Then she ran. And I walked following her to the theater. So when I got there, I entered. And when I entered, I saw Yvonne lying down. They had cut her abdomen open, removed her placenta. But she was awake. And when I saw her, I realized she was lying down. She was praying. She was saying, Lord, save my baby. Lord, save my baby. Lord, save my baby. Immediately I entered to the doctor. I was like, we have a situation here. Baby is out, but baby is not responding. So I was like, what is happening? And I turned to my right side and I saw the nurse, like two nurses with the anesthetist with baby. 
And one of them was rubbing baby's head. Other one was pinching, pinching baby. Other one was, they were doing things to baby. And I realized that the skin of baby was turning bluish green. Like the situation was that baby was not responding. She was not breathing. It wasn't like she wasn't crying or she was not breathing. I've heard of situations where children are born, they are breathing, moving all right, but they are not crying. This time around, it wasn't like baby was breathing and she wasn't crying. Baby was not breathing. She was lifeless. Let me put it that way. She was lifeless, no movement, no breathing, no crying, nothing. So the nurses were on baby pulling her here, pinching her, rubbing her hair, hoping that at least she would try to respond and move or shake her body or breathe or something. Baby was lifeless there and the skin was going blue-green. And Yvonne was lying down. Her placenta has been removed. But she was awake praying, Lord, save my baby. Lord, save my baby. So I asked the doctor, can I go and hold baby and also do whatever I need to do? The doctor said, yes, go ahead. It didn't come to my mind to even wear gloves. So I just washed my hand at the top at the theater. And I went to also hold baby. And as I held baby, I started praying for baby. And as I started praying, there were certain impressions that were coming to my heart, which I believe was the Lord leading me. One of the first things the Lord led me to do was to hold baby's feet. So I held baby's feet. I think one of the nurses left to go and get something. I held baby's feet and I started praying. I didn't know what to pray for. I held baby's and I started praying. Then, then, then it flashed in my mind because barely two weeks before this incident, my mom had passed. You see? So it dawned on me. Ah, my mom just passed and my daughter is also going to die. No, I said, no, this thing cannot happen. So I started praying for baby. Then I felt in my heart to hold baby's hand and pray for baby. So I was praying for baby, praying for baby, hoping that baby will respond. Then the last impression I felt the Lord leading me to do was to use my saliva. Take saliva from my mouth and put it in baby's mouth. This was a difficult task because medically it's not hygienic to be doing that. So I turned and I took saliva from my mouth. I didn't want them to see what I was doing. I mean, at that time, they were all absent-minded. Everybody was trying to do something to get baby. So I turned and took saliva from my mouth. Then I turned again to the baby and I put the saliva in baby's mouth. Then within the next one to two minutes, it wasn't more than two minutes. Within the next minute, baby started breathing. Baby started breathing. Then the nurses shouted, at the same time, they told the doctor, baby is breathing, baby is breathing. Then the doctor asked one nurse to rush and get oxygen. And they put it on baby to sustain the breath. And baby started breathing. So this whole experience took place within almost 10 minutes from the time I entered the theater. Then they kept the oxygen on baby, gave her some injection. Baby was there outside the theater for the next five minutes. Then they brought the baby to the ward. They removed the oxygen from her. Then they brought the baby to the ward. And when they brought the baby to the ward, baby was fine. Baby was breathing normally. Just that the breath was sharp. Okay, so we were there at the ward. The anesthetist came and said, hey, this experience there, he has never seen such an experience before. And that baby was a miracle baby. The doctor also came and the doctor, he was shocked himself. And the doctor was like, hmm, this experience... He himself, in his many years of practicing this profession, it's a rare case to have a child with that situation stay alive. And because of that encounter, he still insists that baby should be taken to NICU. That's the neonatal 
intensive care units at Lekman, where Yvonne works. So the doctor arranged for an ambulance that morning. Because as at that time, baby was at the ward without oxygen. Baby was breathing, just that the breath was sharp. The doctor arranged for an ambulance and we took baby to the NICU. And baby was there for like three days. Baby was there for like three days. I never saw baby. I was just going to take things to her, her baby clothes, bring this, bring that. I was sending all those things there. And that was what happened with the whole delivery process. And we thank God that the Lord sustained us. The Lord gave us, because personally, I'm afraid of blood. So when I go to the theater, with my natural self, I wouldn't be able to stand the situation. But the Lord gave me strength. I wasn't afraid. I had faith. I believed. God strengthened my heart. And I wasn't ready to let baby die. Like, I just couldn't imagine baby passing. Just two weeks after my mom had passed. And I thank the Lord that the Lord gave us strength. Because I was even surprised to see that Yvonne, with her cut open, placenta removed here on the place she was being stitched, she was still awake. I believe that it was the Lord who gave her that strength and the Lord helped us. And I thank the Lord for how far he's brought us. Amen. Hallelujah. This is very important. And I believe that there's an important lesson here for us to learn. See, when you are sitting there and you look inside yourself, there's nothing. And for example, what he's saying, maybe you have pictured yourself, if you were the one in that situation, what will you do? And you may find that challenge, then the situation shouldn't happen to you. And that's what we do. We say, hey, maybe my child should just come normal and then everything will be fine. But I'm also telling you that something can come upon you. Something can come upon you. Or if you want to understand it all, God can come upon you. You see, in your normal self with nothing upon you and with just the natural influences on you, what is saliva in the baby's mouth? You see, one day I had a dream and God was illustrating this thing to me in the dream. In the dream, I was there and somebody was lying there crippled and very sick. So the dream started from something came upon me. You get it? So all that I realized was that, Charlie, something has entered me that was making me behave in a way that's normally different from how I would behave. You get it? So maybe the normal human thing is like, oh, what is wrong with you? Have you eaten? What did the doctor say? Is the medicine working? You'll be fine. Okay. Okay. Then say, okay. Normal behavior, that's what you do. But this one, the spirit came upon me. I got up and took the person, right? And then I pulled her up. It was a she. Once I pulled her up, she also stood up. And then I started walking with her. Do you get it? So as I started walking with her, it was like, ah, she's fine now. You get it? So it means that there's been a healing, right? But something happened. As we were going, an interference was run in my mind. That interference was coming from whether, this was a thought, are you sure it's not because you pulled her up? That's why she, she came up. Do you get it? So it's more like, they may be pulling in Tina, well, sorry. Do you get it? So as I was going and it came into my mind, I turned and I looked at her and I wanted to confirm 
I wanted to confirm if that was the case. As I wanted to confirm, then it was like she was falling down. Then as I turned and I was going with her, she can go. As I wanted to confirm, she was falling down. Do you get it? And God was showing me something. That when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you know the intermediate mind, what we spoke about. That's where faith dwells. But that same place to information from the world and how things naturally work also is there. Do you get it? So when faith comes and faith is moving you, there's also the reasoning of the natural man that is also there. That will be in competition with the reasonings of faith. And if you prevail, the reasonings of faith must prevail over the reasonings of the natural man. Do you get it? Some of us, what we do is that we give in to the reasonings of the natural man and then we quench the spirit. That's all. But God doesn't want that. Because remember, you are his house. You are his puppet. So it means that if the spirit of God comes upon you, it is God that is moving. So in other words, he touched the baby by he, what is in him that can revive a baby? What is in his saliva except that he smells? Except that he smells. What is in the saliva? The same saliva, we can take it at another time. Right? When the spirit of God hasn't come upon you. And then you put it on someone. See, now you have discovered that your saliva is able to wake up babe. So you are going to be spitting into small, small bottles. <laughs> and then, <laughs> right? You realize that no. It doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. It is not the saliva. It is God that moved. And what was done, the action that was done, just like every action that man does, the action opens the door for God to come in. The action opens the door for God to come. See? And then now the baby comes out. So the question is not whether you are capable of such things. The question is whether you will allow God. And when the interference is coming, you will shut down the interference. Do you see? So something can also come upon you. Actually, what we are all looking for is that the Spirit of God will come upon us in the situations of life. When a man is weak, the Spirit of God has not come upon him. See, when Samuel described to Saul what will happen with him as he leaves his presence, he described the steps and then finally the company of prophets. And then said, when you meet the company of prophets, you shall begin to what? Prophesy with them, right? The Spirit of God will come upon you. Then he said, from that point, whatever you find to do, do it. For the Lord shall be what? With you. Now, for the Lord shall be with you if you don't understand. You may say, okay, as you are doing, God is there with you, right? No, it means that the Lord shall be in it. Because it is what the Lord can do that we are looking for. Yes, and we learn that in yourself, you are just a container. And even though it feels to you as though you have something in yourself, it's not true. There's a lot of traffic that is running through you, and either from heaven or from hell. And what you do is to turn your antenna or to turn your sail towards that traffic. Then you can move either in the direction of God or in the direction of hell. Even your ability to reason, it seems like it's yours, but it's not yours. It's given. Do you see? That's how God made you. 
And it's important that you think of yourself that way. It means that when there's a deficiency, you know what must happen. Something must come upon you. Hallelujah. Something must come upon you. So all that God is trying to do with our regeneration, with our transformation, turn away from evils. Because when he wants to come upon us, there's an interference. Do you see? So all that God is trying to do is to position you and to reconstruct you. That's what it means for God to create. You see? Is to reconstruct you such that he can now come upon you. He can now control you as the puppeteer. That's what God is trying to do. And if we give him the chance, you realize that there's so much that can go on with you that it's not of you. It's of God. It's God that is moving. Hallelujah. Please understand that. It's a clear example. This is not the only cause of action that can happen in this circumstance. I hope you know. <laughs> hey, so if you, you enter the next thing, you look at the baby, you Google. Right? You said the baby was kind of blue. What does blue baby mean? Then you check. Hey! Yeah, that's the best. Or you just sit there and start crying. Right? Or what? You leave. Or you go and vomit because you see blood. <laughs> you see. Yeah. But something else can come upon you. And to me, that's important. Any man that is able to bring forth good, God came upon that man. Hallelujah. And any man that brings forth evil, hell came upon that man. It's always like that. It's always like that. It's always like that. When I started, the first time I was called to preach, I remember I was in third year in the university. And I had not preached a sermon before. Do you see? I had not preached a sermon before. So, what I did was that I organized a sermon and then I preached the sermon plenty in my room. I remember when everybody goes, I stand before the mirror and I preach the sermon plenty. Do you see? So I'll preach. Then I'll be holding my hairbrush as the microphone because I had not held the microphone to talk. Do you see? So I did that. So when I went to stand there, it is like that guy that had did Baba and your know, Ako Do you see? Like where did Baba know? Now I'm also at You see? Of course, I was not in a hurry talking, but it was like I was in a zone and I brought it forth, I brought it forth, I brought it forth, I brought it forth. And then people were blessed. I mean, they were blessed. But as I moved on from there, I realized that there's something that is missing. And as I was talking, where I spoke from, I didn't like it. You are not speaking from deep. It's just on the surface, right? Even though what you are communicating is powerful, it's just on the surface. So I, I felt like nah. So in my research, I discovered that something must come upon a man. Do you see? And that was some months later. I was reading a book. And then the person was talking about the anointing. Do you see? And he said the anointing is that is when 
you are so much beside yourself. Okay. I don't know if it's the exact word. It's a book by Oral Roberts. Okay. But the idea is that you are out of yourself. So it's like, don't be full of yourself, right? So you are out of yourself. When you are so much beside yourself, and the Spirit of God so fills you, right? That when you lift your hand, it is like the Lord who has lifted his hand. And when you speak, it is the Lord that is speaking. And remember, yesterday I was explaining to you that when God is dealing with you, it's not just the information for your memory. This thing that I saw, it was a build-up. Just, it was a construction. So I remember where I was. I visited my sister. I was in one of the rooms. The bed was in the corner like this, right? And I was on the bed reading the book. Reading the book. When I read this statement, the next thing I realized, I was in the other corner of the room. Do you get it? Like, it wasn't just, huh, good information, let's write it down. Bass, my nigga. it was something more than that so it did a lot for me and from that I made up my mind that God must feel me right but the thing about God feeling you is that it's not just the day that you decided that God will feel you that then he feels you he can only feel you to an extent and that extent is the extent to which he has created you. Do you see? So now God can come upon you in a certain way. And you, by all means, take advantage of that. Because that's how God made a man for. That the man will always look up before he looks forward. You see? But you must also understand that the way God can really come upon you, that's not what is happening now. So you must continually yield your vessel to the puppeteer. You must continually yield yourself yield more of you. And that's what God is trying to do. He's trying to get more of you to yield so that he can come upon you. And you know you are at your best. So you mean that this is the normal state of a man. That a man can take saliva from his mouth, put it in the mouth of a baby. Right? And something will happen. That a man can hold the legs of a baby pray. Like a woman can be blind on a this thing with things outside her and she doesn't mind. But she can be so concerned about the life of another that we don't even know yet. We don't know this baby. We don't even know what she is. She's just something that we are holding, holding around now. She has no personality. It's just a mass of flesh with potential. So how can a human being love something like that? Right? To the point that right, you could die. Right? Something must come upon that person. So this is rather the way a human being could be. You see. The, ah, what we do, we don't know what to do. Let's leave it to water. Water should find its own level. That's not a normal way. Because that's when God has not come upon you. That's when the Spirit of God has not come upon you. The normal one is when the Spirit of God comes upon you. That's what the Bible says. You are made for his glory. When made for his glory, it's not like, hey, we just give God glory. God just wants people to be saying, God, we glorify you. No. Glory is the manifestation. So we're made so that God could dwell in us and who he is would be showered upon us and be revealed through us. And in the end, we gain the benefit. The way God is, he does not seek to gain benefit in anything. Other than that, he's not God. 
If you read anywhere in the scripture and it seems so, you have misunderstood it. You have to look at it well and understand it well. So this rather is a norm. So what else can a man do if God comes upon him or her? What are some of the things that you consider your weaknesses, right? That you could do if God comes upon you? And what should be the steps you are taking? The steps you are taking should be to allow God to come upon you more, right? Yeah. Hallelujah. You understand that? Then you can let the natural mind speak to you a bit and say that, oh, maybe the baby was already going to get up. So what shows that it was the moves that were picked that allowed it? Do you get it? You're a child. You're a child. That's why you're a child. You're a child. Hallelujah. Like when we talk of evil and staying away from evil, what is in the man that will make you stay away from evil? Nothing. Already, what has come before God met you? It rather makes you inclined towards evil. You rather have an affinity for evil. Then God's commandment is a walk away from evil. Something must enter a man in order for him to walk away from evil. And God supplies that. So in the scriptures, in Genesis chapter 1, God is revealed as the creator. See? Creator. Now, our problem is that when it comes to this creator thing, we have not looked at it well. So we look at God being created and say, But if you look at it like that, you will not get it. But when you compare that to John chapter 1, concerning the word, in the beginning was the word, right? The word was with God. The word was God. Said all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. All things. It means that God being creator is not about the material world. It's about what can exist. What can be. He is the maker of all things. It means that if you must become something, it is the creator that must make you into that thing. So in the scripture, he's called also the former. Another place called the former from the womb. <laughs> Creator is not just, oh, he made the trees. No. It means that anything that is a thing, it is God that must make it. Including what a man must be. It is God that must make it. For instance, man must be God's vessel, right? So that God can now dwell in man. What? we have misunderstood is that we have focused on the fact that God wants to dwell in man. And we have given the responsibility of man presenting his vessel to man alone. So God on his side wants to dwell in you, but it is your responsibility alone to prepare and present your vessel. And it is because we have not understood what creation is. It is God that makes the vessel. And that is what creation is. The creation is the making of a man into the vessel of God. Genesis chapter 1. See, we say Genesis chapter 1 is as if it's talking about the creation of the world. But it's talking about the regeneration of man, right? That is the creation of man. This creation is not the physical creation of man. 
See, God is creator, right? He's creator. And I'm telling you that even though you read in the letter, suggesting to you that, hey, if he's creator, then he made the physical things and then he made your body and put you here and breathed into you. No, that's not really the point. The point is that the real man is what is called the vessel. So if God made man, then what God is telling you that he's the maker of a man into the vessel that will contain him. The sixth day is when now the vessel is ready and God can be contained in that vessel. Please understand that. The beginning of the creation is God's attempt to make man into his vessel. So if God is creator, then he's the creator of your vessel. He's the maker of the puppet and responsible for connecting the puppet to the puppeteer. He's the maker of the sails of the ship. That is God. Hallelujah. That is God. So if in your vessel you cannot contain God, it is God that will have to construct your vessel. Do you get it? And that is what God seeks to do with you when he gives you his word. He does not give you his word and run away and go and make your vessel and come. He must work with you and form that vessel. Then he can be glorified in you. So Genesis chapter 1, when you read, oh, God made the design. No, if you read it sequentially, actually, and you think that it's a creation of the physical world like this, many things don't work. Hallelujah. Something should have come before others. And it's God, God's attempt is not to show you how the world. God has not shown us how he made the world. In the Bible, directly, he hasn't shown us. There are places in the scripture that you can glean and know that actually this is how God made the world. But in Genesis chapter 1, God has not shown us how he made the world. He has rather shown us how he makes man. Not man like a new man or a new human being. No, how he will make you into his vessel. That's what he has shown us in Genesis chapter 1. Hallelujah. Yeah. See, I keep telling you that I believe that God made the world through evolution, right? Yeah. Say, so, hey, what are you saying? What are you saying? No, it's true. It's in the scriptures. But you say, oh, Genesis chapter, and God is showing us, <laughs> no. God is showing us how he makes you as a man. He makes you into his vessel. That's what God is showing you. So God is the potter, right? He makes the vessel. He takes the clay and makes the vessel. Then when the vessel is made, when the pot is made, the pot can contain what it needs to contain. It is important. So God is the creator. Hallelujah. God is the creator. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, said, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So, he created No, in every man, there is the heaven and the earth. Amen. There's the heaven and the earth. There's the higher part of you and there's the lower part of you. 
The higher part of you is what influences the lower part of you. There's an internal part of you, there's an external part of you. This combination of heaven and earth is always like that in every man. Amen. Now look at the next one. It said, and the earth was without form and void. The earth was without form and void. Now two things was without form and void. It was in ruins and it was empty. The word translated without form is something that is real, totally real. And void is actually empty. Hallelujah. Void is empty. Empty means as what means to fill it is not filling it, right? Ruined means that it is not built up into what it needs to be so that something can fill it. So two things. Something must be built, then when it's built, something must fill it. Now, the earth was without form. It was in ruin. It wasn't built to contain what needs to be contained in it. And then in the context of containing, it did not contain what it needs to contain. And that's the state of a man when God meets that man. When God meets every man, that man is in evil. And because he's in evil, as to the divine love and the divine wisdom, that man is what? In ruins as to the divine love, and then is empty as to the divine wisdom. So there's no love in that man. There's no wisdom in that man. Amen. Amen. You see? So that's what God meets him. Now this, without form and void, is what God is going to make. So that it will now have a form and it will not be empty. And when God is finished with it, God breathed now into man the breath of life. And man becomes a living soul. You see? And the earth was without form and void. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 22 and 23. Just on the form and void, okay? For my people is foolish. They have not known me. Hmm. You fall here. <laughs> they are sortish children. And they have none understanding, right? They are wise to do evil, but to do good, they have no knowledge. I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void. And the heavens, and they had no light. So look at context. So the earth was without form. The earth, the earth was maya maya. So now God is now going to make the earth. No, look at context. Who is God talking about? When God gets to 23, who is he still talking about? His people, isn't it? So without form and void is talking about the state of his people. Is that not the case? Let's read it again. For my people is foolish. They have not known me. They are sortish children and they have none understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good they have no knowledge. I beheld the earth and lo, it was without form and void and the heavens and they had no light. The earth was without form and was void. And darkness was upon the face of what? The deep. Amen. My argument is that God is showing you how he makes a man into his vessel. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now, God comes in here. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So this is the state that God finds you in. There, the Spirit of God is moving upon 
the face of the waters. So God can see at that time. Remember, you in your understanding, you think that in this state, God says, hey, take my word. That's all that you have information of the word of God. Then go and construct your vessel and come. Then I'll fill you. No, God is the one going to make the vessel. He's not going to make the vessel whilst you are asleep. He's going to make the vessel whilst you are awake. He's going to do it with you. He's going to lead you. He's going to construct you. Where there is darkness, he's going to remove the darkness. And that's the first step that God took. With a man that does not know what spirituality is, the first awareness that he needs is for him to understand what spirituality is. For him to know that his wisdom is not wisdom at all. For him to know that what he calls good is not good, but it is rather evil. And God gives such an awareness to such a man. You see, God's aim is that that man will love righteousness and all that. But we are not there. And God knows that man is not there. So that is not the first step God is taking with that man. Like some of you, God will eventually take some wild steps with you. But you are not there. So it's not that step God is going to take with you. You are going to have to take some steps with him for him to build you up, build you up till you get to that point where he'll take that step that you are afraid of. By that time, you'll be ready. And even God says, don't take it. You say, you'll take it. Now, I told you I was afraid God would make me a preacher. But when I realized I was called, do you know how I was called? The fear was the initial, the fear was, hey, what if God says I should be a preacher? Hey, Charlie, what will you do? What will you do? Then the day that I realized I was called, I decided that I'm called. Amen. What do you think? I decided one day. I remember where I was. I said, hey, if this is how Christianity is, I'm going to be a preacher. That was the end. So this is somebody that was afraid, right? But when God was feeling me, I said it. When God said, don't be a preacher, I said, no. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said, no, this is what I'm going to be. Marco, what do you think? That's what happens. You see, so if you think that when God is controlling you, he controls you by forcing you, forcing you, forcing you. No. When he is done with you, what he wants, that's what you want. Because he's pressing, pressing your buttons. So that place, he has created a place that works hand in hand with his will. You call it your will, but it's not really your will. It's a container for willing. Something must fail it, then you use it to will. Before it was hell, evil, lust of the flesh, that will fail it. But when God removes that and he comes in now, you will will what is righteous. Now it will no longer be to you like, ah, I don't want it, but God said, we should know. He said, this is what you want. Something has come upon you. Hallelujah. You see, as God is forming the man, his aim is the sit, right? The sit day, God is going to form the man. That's God's aim. But look at where we are. We are formless and void. God didn't say, okay, let me breathe into man. Whew! And there was no space. Hey, why is there no space inside you? <laughs> no, there's no space. There's no space inside because there's something else inside. Let's remove that thing first. And that's what God begins to do with the man. Hallelujah. We have to learn to be all right before God that we have not arrived. Some of us, we are too arrogant. We don't want that there's something wrong with us and we know it and God knows it and others also know it. You see, it's evil from hell that makes us wonder. It should be okay. It should be okay. Because when God started day one, okay, he finished, he said the evening and the morning were the first day. Evening and morning. 
Evening is a state of darkness. Morning is a state of light. So just that small thing that God did. Remember, the big thing that finally man is formed, which is the complete vessel, God now dwells inside. But even the small one, day one, day one is like small thing. The Spirit of the Lord moved over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God separated the light from the darkness. He called the light the, the darkness light. And God said it was good. We are not done. It's just fair steps. A simple awareness that, hey, what I call wisdom is no wisdom. What I call good is not good. I see it clearly now. And now there's a separation before man. What is true and what is false? What is evil and what is good? You have not become good yet, but you can see that separation now. Do you see? There are men that can see it. And God looks at that. Wow, that's what I've been able to do in this person. Then God looks at it and says, ah, evening and morning has come. As to this particular thing, before the person was in evening, remember, without form void, darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now, light has come. And light has been separated from darkness. Well, I look at the final product of the vessel, we are not anywhere. But it's still good because a change has occurred. And that change is called evening to morning. It was God that looked at it and said it's good. Some of you, you look at it and you look at what you must be, right? And say, God, it's okay that you are sad that you are not there, right? But don't conclude that God has abandoned you. Because imagine, like for instance, you are destructive, okay? Let's say your hand is a pair of scissors. Your other hand is a knife. Your leg is a gun. Your other leg is what? Cutlass. So if you do this, you are destroying something. If you do this, you are destroying something. If you do this, you are destroying something, right? Okay. Now when God comes, he takes your first hand, which was a pair of scissors, right? And then he works on it, right? As he works on it, that pair of scissors now is no longer destroying things, right? But what you realize is that Still, the other hand is destroying. The other leg is destroying. The other thing is destroying. So you look at yourself. It's like you are still destroying things. But God has done something. So now what you are sad about is that you are destroying all these things before God still. See, the one that is solving your nose problem, your hand and all that, your, your other field are still before him whilst he is handling you step by step. And you can't bear it. But you should be able to bear it. So the one that is forming you, you will be misbehaving before him all the time till he's done with you. But when the enemy, another traffic from hell comes, he say that God must be tired of you by now. But if he's not finished with me, if I'm misbehaving, is it not before the one that is constructing me that I'll be misbehaving? Is it not before that person? Who else will I be before whilst I misbehave? It's like a parent. Your child's parent is, are you not going to be dealing with that? Are you not going to be dealing with that? Then you'll be working on the child. There'll be a point that the child will not weary. Like the child will be a one-year child. Then she'll be smiling. <laughs> this they said, if you're a parent and your child weary or poopoos into your food, you have to keep eating it. Hey, that's the thing. That's what the grown-ups say. 
Maybe you are eating it and then your child is on your lap. Releasing to you don't have to even break, you have to just continue, continue and finish. This is then you get to a, a point where your child is two. They should be, I want to be, I want to be right. Then, if you don't carry the child early as you are going, the child may do it right, but at least the child started telling you, right? Then, get to a point where the child says, I want to be, say, wait. When we get to the house, you will be <laughs> see. Then the child will sleep, will not be on the bed. I remember when we were trying to get Sally not to be on the bed. So she shouldn't wear a diaper. So she'll be on the bed. Then I have alarm. So in the night, you wake up. I wake up. I carry her to the destiny for her to be. At another point, you carry her again for her to be. Then at least you get to the morning. You see, as you're doing it, there are times that Charlie. Then you wake up and Charlie is <laughs> on the bed. You see, but you continue. Who is the creator? The parents, right? And the child is being created. Now, when I was even doing it, it was Mama Dida who said this is how we should do it. To me. Yeah, honestly, I didn't know how it would work. I thought that we should sit the child down and explain to the child and look. As you are going to sleep, Johnson, they were sorry, not Johnson. You get it? So we did this for some, how long? How long? Like one month, two months, or more than. Like, okay, let's say below two months. Then boom, she sleeps. No worry. Do you see? But if you're a parent, one thing that will happen if you don't have those things that they used to cover, for her, we had it. But times you see the church, she will pray and leave that thing. So she will be on the bed. You see, when they are children, they don't want to lie on their own. So it's be out with you. So you have to be prepared as the parents that your bed will be smelling of. Or we say, hey, if bed bags come into this our house, it will be because of these children. Because our bed, now Lana Michelle is the second one that has come. We are tired. So we've not been able to get her off the diaper when she sleeps. But when she's in the house, she's fine. But now her wee is plenty, it leaks. So when she sleeps, it's there. So if you don't wake up to change the diaper, you get it. Now as a parent, all this is your child is going to do it. You, you did something. I remember when I was young, the area people used to come to my house. When they are washing all the bed sheets that have read inside. And then they'll be singing. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, you, you are living in the estate, which is community life. People will come to your house. So it was a common knowledge in the area that I made you some person. You see, at, at times I can sleep and dream that I'm really. <laughs> yeah. By the time I wake up, I'm really. You see. But now you are walking there. You don't worry on yourself and things. You see. Now you are dignified, right? But somebody saw your foolishness and your plenty things you did. And that's what God is going to do with you. As he's mending you, your other parts that are not mended, what do you expect? It will be doing foolish things. It will be making mistakes. But one major thing, I told you in the special program, 
never come to the point where you rationalize your mistakes. It means that you close the door to God in those seasons. And I told you that mistakes are always going to be intentional. An unintentional mistake is not a sin. All the sins that you commit, they'll be intentional. So because of your uncreated self, you'll be intentionally going against God. Like the child, your mother will tell you, then you intentionally do something. They say, go and bath. Then suddenly Anne is at a stage where now she frowns. Like she's watching something. She says she should go and bath. Not that she should go and bath you. That she should go and bath her body, her own body. Do you get it? And that's what we'll also be doing today. God saying, you, do this to save your own life. Then you'll be doing this that your God doesn't like you. Like your mother doesn't like you. Your father doesn't like you. Come and sit down and learn. As you come from school. Today we are not watching anything. Take your book and learn. She's unhappy. And that's also what we do to God. So we're unhappy with God. Then, as we are going, we are the, oh, you have been. have been. Then you trace and say, it was your mother, your father that was on you when you were young that learned that you were frowning. That's why when we grow to a point, many of the things that our mother and father, when they were doing that, were offended at. We now speak of it fondly. Then when your child is also coming up, you want your child to speak of it fondly while they are children. No, that when they grow, then they'll speak of it fondly. Because that's how it works. So God will be constructing and you'll be misbehaving and throwing your legs about. And God is okay. Well, he has the blueprints. What you have to do is that you must continue with him all the time. You must not let the enemy come and convince you that you are a useless case that God cannot do anything about. When you go do what is wrong, you will do it intentionally. So you should not let the enemy come and tell you that because you have done it intentionally, God is not happy with you. No, you have done it intentionally. God is not happy with the fact that this evil has been done, not because of himself, but because of how it hurts you. Do you get it? I remember when we were young, my mother said, stay in the house. I'm going out, me and my sister, Phyllis. Stay in the house. Mom, pray. So we said, okay, pain. As she left, we went out. My sister went and started playing with the other girls in the neighborhood. I also went and started playing with the other boys in the neighborhood, right? And then we're doing shootings. Those are your friendly shootings. Did you also call it shootings? Like you cut plantain things and use it to make gun. Were you doing that? Yeah. They didn't send us to game and things. So as she left, Phyllis went out to play with the girls. I also went out to play with the boys. So in the playing, there was this grass like this, right? So you, you see, jump into the bush, and then you are shooting, and then you are hiding. As I jumped into it, I felt like, oh. <laughs> Do you see? So there's something unusual around my ear. It wasn't pain, pain, pain. It was like something. It's a feeling of video. So I got up from the bush, and I came. There was a big hole here, not surface hole, like hole, hole, a comb. White, you are seeing white things inside. If if I do like this, you, you feel it there. Like inside, you know what had happened? So these things that those they used to put on the wall, the spikes, the metallic spikes that are on the wall. Like this. So when you climb, it will cut you, right? Yeah. 
Sir, one had removed and it was in the grass there. So as I jumped into the basin, it's my hair that went to. Remember, my mother said nobody should leave the house. When she came back, I was in the hospital and they were showing me. So he had to follow us to the hospital, right? But when your mother comes, Obefau, neighbor, Obede, Obefau, Obe Purple with Tikoka Kabate Yar. If you are by town, who better us normal, I come back from right. But we are in the Yambo. When I, my leg was, they sewed it together. So the, the, those days, they sewing, so the marks are there. And when I move, I do, I, I feel the hole there. And even now that my leg is big, it's big, it's like this here. So imagine the leg of a child and how big it was. I was, I was like maybe class three. Do you get it? And this happened. Didn't you go out intentionally? Yeah. But when she came, we carry on. And that's what God will do. You say, stay in the house. You go. You'll be hurt. You have to still come back home. And let God help you. The next time, when he says stay, you have learned a lot of lessons. You see, you remember that, hey, if you go, this thing will happen to you. So now you are more inclined to stay. Even down after you find yourself another reason to go, then you come back. Then now the education will be more complete because a lot of education is not just in what you are told. In God's school, you have to hear, you have to go and also experience. You get it. So at times God is telling me that this thing is bad, but you will understand. But in life, when you experience it, it will click down. This is what God was telling you. Then you wake up. Then you now come and say, God, let's continue. You see, like the prodigal son. When he was living, the father said, oh, what have I done? Stay. He said, no, no, no. It's like something has come upon the child. Right? And the child went. When he was coming, he didn't come with anything. Nothing. And that's how we must see God. God is sorting out your patience, right? But in your patience, there's a point in it that you have to touch your arrogance. It's not there. That's he's sorting out. You'll be fine a bit, but you'll not be fine in another place. That's how come at times the same evil, God is helping you deal with it. But it's like, when it comes from this way, you know how to respond. But in this way, there's a gap. So when you started feeling like you are over it, you thought that that's the end. Not knowing that there's another part you get it. But when you misbehave in that part, you ah, have disappointed God. All is false now, right? But God is the one also constructing the vessel. He didn't know. Like at times, people come to say, Pastor, this is what God told me, and that I've overcome it. And I say, No, no, no. Like, check this and this and this, right? But when you tell them that check this and this and this, they don't believe. It's almost like you are the one that is, is like, you are putting the rod in the spokes of their wheel. Like you are spoiling the party for them. Do you see? I tell you, you feel like you fully understood God. I was talking to Pastor Jonathan and I told him, look, this I have told you, he won't understand it. Right? What are, you te- what are you trying to tell me that I will not understand it? Because I know it. I know that you won't understand it. Do you know how I know? Because I was told when I was in the same mental state as you before, and I thought I understood, but I didn't. 
It was several mental states after that that I was able to see the proper picture. Like, you think you know that God loves you. You don't. You just know it's in the way that your present weak state allows you to see. When God continues to build you more and more, Paul said, then you will know the love of Christ who surpasses knowledge. Then you shall be filled with all the fullness of God. There's a knowledge of it that you don't get it. It's not that if you don't get it, then don't tell anybody. You'll be telling somebody, but you get it small, so you tell it in the way you, you get it. Yeah, you tell it the way you get it. But you shouldn't be surprised when you discover you don't get it. And because you don't get all of it, you misbehave one of these days. You go off. At the time you go off and you later discover that you've gone off. You don't even know that you've gone off. You started going off like two towns before. Do you see? Like your, your luggage is in the car. Then you do a wound. You said a tofum. A tofum da da da. So there are things related to your upbringing that you can't do anything about. Like your pastor, you'll be lamenting to me as to what. And I, I feel like I'm not meeting him with the agency with which he's meeting me. You see, that's what the grown ups used to do to us. Like, I tell you, I look at uh, girls, I want to drink Milo. Like, Lana Michelle likes Milo. So, in the evening, like seven, eight, she starts preaching this message that she wants to drink Milo. They say no. And then she will cry like the world is coming to an end. Do you see? It's like, hey! And I have more boys, I see that. And you, the girl, I'm saying, this crying, if you are to cry, it will really be about greater things than me. Do you see? And that's how it is. Even when we're young, our parents, they look at us, they are calm. It's like, only a brewana could The case, case, but they are just calm and because they know what is going on. They know that this thing that you want to solve now, it will take three years. So if you want God will get you out of, if you apply yourself totally, completely, and not go off from time to time and come back, it will take you a year. But now it is not even in you to keep in step with God continuously for one year. So factoring into it part of your weakness, which is to go off from time to time and come, it will take you five years. If God tells you, you will not even begin. <laughs> so what God does that there's a weakness in us that makes us think that we have arrived. Even though it's a weakness, it inspires us a bit. So you would be allowed to think you have arrived for a while. Then God will show you another thing because your vision is impaired. You think it's the brightest light you are seeing now. Do you see? See, one day we had an accident and the airbags. When you, there's an accident, I don't pray that there's an accident, right? But when there's an accident, you are sitting in a private car and you are not the one driving, right? Close your eyes. Like hold something, right? But close your eyes. <laughs> because one of the things that can, the airbag, or maybe do like this, so your eyes is ready to close. <laughs> that airbag, see the good airbag, it will save you, but it will give you a mark. You see, I traveled with my boss. We came to get some contracts in Accra. So we came to do a presentation and then we're going back. So we're in my boss's bench, I was in the front. He was driving. And then you see, they were constructing this road. Accra road, that still they are constructing, right? This many, like maybe about eight, nine years ago. 
right? You are constructing the road. So you see, you are doing dual carriage, dual carriage. By the time they've done some parts, so when you get it, you have to continue, you have to branch and go and join the other side to no more be dual carriage. We didn't know. We didn't, it was in the night. So we're going outside the road has ended. Do you see? So my phone flew out of the car. And then the car didn't somersault, thank God. So my hand was holding the, see the app there like this. When I finished my ear was paining me. So when the car finally was about to settle, poof, airbag into my eye, pine. See that thing, see like polo people. <laughs> Look at it. You see, Apollo is the same as the same. You, you see, early morning, normal six o'clock, what sun is there? Is there sun shining plain? You know, when you step out, it's like you are. 12 o'clock and you are looking into the sunlight. That's what happened to me. So it was paining me. I was okay. So that night, it was an interesting experience. Because right after the accident, my boss said I should pick a car and go. So I picked Sprinter and I sat in the front. It was very, very traumatic. After that experience, you see, you've had an accident. Then you sit in another car and you are sitting in the front and it's a Sprinter in the night. <laughs> <laughs> So that's how I came to Kumasi in the night. Now, when I came home, I was like, oh, my eyes paining. I slept the morning. You just come out 6 o'clock, right? 6.30. I couldn't. You know, the light wasn't that much. It's because there's a problem with your eyes. You see, like the Apollo, the sun that they couldn't stand is not that much. Small light is like they have taken touch like flood light and they are just concentrating it into your eyes. It's because your eye has a problem. That's what happens when we see something from the Lord. Because of the fact that our eyes are impaired, we see it like it's the brightest light we have ever seen. Meanwhile, as compared to the bright light, and it's just a small light. It's like 6 a.m. But because we don't see that clearly, it's like we've seen something great. And God allows you. God will not spoil the party for you. And it's good because... God, it's God that knows that it will take you seven years. If he tells you, you give up. So he will allow you to think for a while. After six months, ah, you have arrived. Then in your arrogance, you will not even be having pity on others who are also struggling. Can't you do this? Can't you turn away from me? I just want to, must we tell you? Then six months later, God comes again with a situation, right? And then your eyes will be, I don't know anything now. I thought I understood. I don't, then what about the one that you become offended? Then God comes to you there and says, now understand the more. Then you make the same mistake again. Say, ah, now I get it. You even go and tell people that, oh, the earlier one that you thought you got, you didn't get it. It's now that you get it. Then God says, oh, it's okay. Take it like that. It's okay. Run with it for a while. A year later, he'll come and explain to you why you didn't get it. One of the things that I try to do as a preacher is that I'm always speaking within a certain frame of truth. I don't go off it because I know that even with myself, I'm growing. So what will happen is that I'll tell you a truth. The way I will explain it to you, it will be accurate because I'm using certain 
I'm, I'm not going out to bring my own self into it. I'm staying within a certain frame. It means that when I grow and understand him, I'll still tell you the same thing. But this time, with more embellishment. So, if I check my messages, five years, you can still be blessed. I have not changed anything. But what I thought I was telling you five years ago, I don't think that's what I'm telling you now. Like, I feel like I'm telling you something better than what I was telling you five years ago. Do you get it? Yeah. But the wedding, not, nothing much has changed. Just that now, you see, I know it's a more experienced person that is talking to you. But I won't tell you, go and throw it away. No. So then I will speak, I will, but I won't go off. Why? Because I know that growth is coming. And some of you, that's how you must understand it. When you're even celebrating your, your victory, don't celebrate it like your own hand brought you that victory. Leave room. That's how you can see, how far you can see. Hallelujah. That's how far you can see. Then God will come in again. If you can see more clearly, you make mistakes. It's part of it. Mistakes are not a sign that you are going to hell. It's a sign that there's corruption. If you confirm yourself in the mistakes and now do not allow God to lead you out of it with his word, then you have a problem. That's why you begin to rationalize evil. Hallelujah. Please understand this. So turn away from evils you are doing. But this is how the details of it works. God is the creator. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 15. I am the Lord. I'm Jehovah. I'm the Lord. Your holy one. The creator of Israel. Your king. What do you think? Something that God is creator is not this physical creation. Because Israel is his church. That's why he says, I'll build my church, right? I'll build my church, right? I'll build my church. So God is the creator of Israel. Psalm 100, verse 1 to 3. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. You see, now you begin to look at the scriptures differently. All, all ye lands. And so I see that in that. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. So the land should get up and come, right? Now you know that it's men that God is speaking about, right? All right. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye, the verse 3 is the focus, know ye that the Lord, he is God. Now, this is an important thing. This Lord here is Jehovah. Okay? And when we talk of Jehovah, the concentration is on his goodness. When the Bible wants you to see that God is a good God, you see, it's Jehovah that is used. But when God wants to show his goodness, together with his power to bring to pass his goodness. So he is good. He desires what is good. He wants what is good, right? And that is Jehovah. But when he wants to talk about it, together with his power to bring to pass his goodness, God comes in. So in the scriptures, there's a times where the Bible says the Lord, the Lord. There's a time the Bible says God. Then there's a time that the Bible says the Lord God. Do you get it? It's not 
like, oh, the, the writers just decided that, ah, let me just add God to this one. It sounds nice at this way. No. There's a reason. So the Lord, he is God. Why? Because in the scriptures, this word translated God speaks of God as a force, a, a, a force that goes forth to accomplish. That's why come see this, um, the Genesis. In the beginning, it didn't say in the beginning, the Lord created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning, God. Why? Because that's where God speaks of God in action. He speaks of his movement. Do you understand? And his ability to bring to pass. It's the same with John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was what? God. The actual translation is God is the word. So here, it says that know ye that the Lord, he is God. So the one that sets standards for you as to his goodness, the one that you get to say, this is good. And because of that, this is good. This is evil. The one that does this for you, he is also God. He's not just good. He's not just love. He's not just a standard. He's also the power to bring up onto that standard and to keep at that standard. That is God. So here, the God here is always with the word of God. It's his word, 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 word. Hallelujah. So the psalmist said, no, no, that the Lord, he is God. So this your Lord, he is God. And that is where your weaknesses come in. And that is where your inabilities come in. And that is where he also, his ability to create you comes in. Tell them about half hope. Tell them again, half hope, half hope. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. Now, what is here? Colon, right? It is he that made us. And not we ourselves. We are his people and the what? The sheep of his pasture. So what you must become, it is the Lord that will make and not you, yourself. And it is because he is God. He is God. Hallelujah. He is God. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 6. I'll say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar. Hmm? Eh, so much to talk about here. You see, without me having to explain, you should know the sons that must come from afar and the, the daughters that must come from the ends of the earth, right? Is God organizing you, right? Is God organizing his church? Is God bringing you out of evil? God bringing you out of what is false. The Bible is a beautiful thing. So if somebody says that there's nothing in the Bible, no problem, right? Your eyes have not seen it. And there's a reason. You have not given God the chance to construct you to the point where you can see what is in the scriptures. That's why you are talking. So who can blame you? You see? Who can blame you? You see, when I, you see, at times I share with you some things, right? You can't see it. Like I say, hey, this is powerful, but then when I look at your face, you know. But you really can't see it. It's okay. Because me too, I have people that they show me things I don't see. I also look. But one day, 
then I see. You too, Andy. When you are there, as you are developing, don't you begin to see things. You too, if you catch some cars, one boy, don't you show the person some few revelations. Yes. So it's like that. When God works on us, our eyes open. Our eyes open. Our eyes open. Hallelujah. I told somebody, hey, you are a shark. I said, no, no, no. Me, where I'm coming from, I'm not the shark. See, the thing is, I'm not talking in relation to where you are coming from. Talk about we that we are here, yeah, shark. These are times you can be amongst people that know so much, and because you are always looking up to measure up, you don't also see that there is something that you can do with what you know. It must be both ways. Please understand that you don't become arrogant, no, but you also don't look down yourself so that you are not because the people that are ahead of you, <laughs> they will always be ahead of you. It's like the firstborn. If you are lastborn, you can't do anything. We are dying. Obey your firstborn. Obey your penny of you. We are dying. The thing is that we start to jaw. You understand that? Yeah. So it's like that. All that you have to maybe pray for the person to backslide. But even that one, you shouldn't even quickly assume that then you come and pass. Because that backslide, even though it's bad, by the time he comes out of that backslide, you have not backslidden some before. So me that I've backslidden and have come out, you know, my type is different from you that you have just been going nicely. This is so, and also where they are. You just accept it. And then you also find where you are. You say, you understand? You may want to play with good up, fine. You learn a lot, but you also have to understand that hey, um, where you are is where you are, and then you grow from there. Please understand that it's important. But at times, I feel like look down so much on yourself because you are constantly being bombarded with things that such as you don't know anything, you don't know anything. And I'm also coming from that same place. But how come I can keep preaching? To you? I told you yesterday. Almost every time I'm preparing to come and preach, you, I tell God I don't know anything. Not because I must tell to God. You, God. you can't lie to God. So I tell you, if it's not true, don't say it. God, you can't lie. I feel that way. And it's because I tell you, I'm trying to get a picture to paint for you. Then as I'm getting, many things are coming in that Nico, I don't know. And I find then I must know all those things before I can paint the picture. Do you get it? But God tells me, no, no, still, the picture can be painted because it's accurate still. So you paint it, then you come and continue learning. And that's what you also do. Hallelujah. I'll say to the north, give up. And to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Now go to the south. Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him. For what? My glory. Now if you see the created, what are you thinking? Yahoo. Yahoo. No? No? Created is what? Regenerated. Hallelujah. Did you understand that? Created a supernatural. I have what? Formed him. Yea, I have what? Who? God. Do you see? So the vessel is the one that God has created, formed, and made. So where is the glory of the vessel? Like, how do you take glory for yourself? If you want to tend to take glory, there's no space for you. Like I told you, so you are like the dress hanging in your wardrobe. 
Nous avons dit que nous avons Genesis chapter 1 again. So, we do verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was what? Light. So now, this light is different too. It's the initial light, right? But who said there should be, there should be light? God. Okay. So if a person does not have that light, it is God that will come in if the person allows God. God will give that person light, right? Paul said that Christ will give thee light. Have you seen that scripture before? Wherefore he said, Awake, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall do what? Give thee light. Okay. So now, let's go back to our Genesis. And God saw the light. This light that is not the complete light, no. Do you see? And you're complete. And you're beginning of, you're just aware of the good and evil. With it you can, even if you allow, you can still go to hell. If you allow, right? Because as you begin to see the difference, it doesn't mean that you are choosing the good, right? But God looks at it and says, wow, it is what? Good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness night. The darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were what? The first day. Then God comes again. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. I'm just reading that things are happening. All this is God doing things. Some of them not so evident. Because some of all that we see, ah, we have changed. All our evils are gone now. But before that, God is working magic. Yes, and doing things. As he gives you his word, you follow. So if you follow the word for three days, right? And then you follow for the next one month. So another special meeting comes. Sorry, I will call for some time. We are then. I'm not saying give you, like try, but you find that it will be like that for a while. Then God will through that knock something out. So those three days, God will be using it all. Do you see? And by the time you are, God has used those three days to knock out something. that You can go for a week. Then you get to a point where there's a general state of spirituality about you. That like, please understand now. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament and it was so. God called the firmament heaven. Eh? And the evening and the morning were the second day. Ooh. And God said, to so God has come again, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together onto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. So when we started, God really wanted the dry land to appeal. But when he did let there be light, he separated. He said it's good, day one, evening and morning. Something powerful has happened there. But the one that God is working on, because But But Ah, you don't understand the phantom speaking. God has made your head. He hasn't made your hand and all that. So you think that nothing has been done. Do you see? But he will come and make the hand. Then you make the other hand. Then you make the chest. Then you make the, your waist. And you make your legs. When it's finished, then you say, ah, wow. Powerful. But what about you? 
when you are sad about your hand, which everybody must be, because you must always have times that we are not happy with our state. You get it? But you should quickly also understand that Jamia Bouti, like he has done a small ear that he has good. So he'll make the other ear if you continue to work with him. Don't put your own time to your spiritual journey. Amen. We are there. You will not be skipped. Just skip all that. Class one, what big power class one? You don't class three. You don't call class two. You don't class three. You don't call class You think you have an issue with time, right? But God has eternity to sort you out. This is not has started here. It will continue in their life, in the world of spirits. It will continue. So let God do it well for you. What do you think? Don't people over the cracks and present you like, hey, Charlie, fully made. Meanwhile, so many things going on. Let God do his work. Don't fall away. Don't give up. Let him do his work. Let him do his work. Work with you. When you take his word, apply it. But you only apply it to the level that you are and accept it. Apply it to your best. Go with him. Depend on him. Help him. If you falter, come back to him. Let him know he's constructing you. You're under construction. You want to finish and go and stand and brag. You know what you want. There's no room for bragging. The day you start bragging, God can continue with you. Not because you say, hey, you have bragged that fuck that way. You will walk away. You will walk away. There's no place for man to glory. And you glory, yeah. You just accept it that this is how it is. And it is God that will make you. No man makes himself. No woman makes herself. It doesn't work that way. It is God. So if you read all of this, then many things are now coming up. Now dry land, then the dry land is called earth, and then there are seas, and then now the earth brings forth grass. Hey, grass, what will we use grass for? Grass, we have to cut it periodically. It doesn't supply much, right? The grass. Then it seems to now turn into a herb that has seed. But a herb that has seed, in terms of its integrity, its quality, it's not much. It's like drawing a line and now drawing two lines and then now having a square. A square is more powerful than a line, right? But if you turn it into a 3D object, it's even more powerful, right? So the progression is happening. There's the grass, there's the herb. Then there's the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind. Wow. Now the thing is taking shape, right? So God stands back. Say, wow. Then you, you also stand back and say, wow. Then you run away. <laughs> you run away. So God will sit there and wait for you. You'll be back in six months. Then when you are back, he continues with you. Because it's good that you also run away, even though it's not good. <laughs> it's part of the teaching plan. Amen. Certain, so be careful that you say, ah, I've delayed in my spiritual growth. What do you mean? You have to really have God's blueprint to know that you have delayed. Do you have it? You don't. So how do you confirm that? You think? Then we'll go to the next one. And the head brought forth all these things. Then let's go. Let's go to animals. And the evening and the morning were the third day. Verse 4. Okay, verse 4. Uh, the fourth day is coming. Let's go. And God said, let there be light. 
So this is where light, sun, and moon come in. Then seasons. So here you begin to enter seasons. You know, begin to measure seasons. You begin to measure days. You begin to measure. See, you are telling somebody that. Check your heart. They don't even know what the heart is. Where is it? What do I examine? How do I? Yes, sir. I'm sure if you are here, you say, oh, will and understanding. But when you are starting, you didn't even know will. Yes, sir. It wasn't obvious. You didn't know it was with you. It wasn't obvious with you. But God brings you to a point where you begin to now see all these things in yourself. So you say, look into yourself. Before when they say look into yourself, it's your body you look into. But you get to a point where when they say look into yourself, you look beyond your body into the spirit. You are now more conscious of certain realms that are in you than before. You are now more conscious of your spiritual state and the seasons that go with those spiritual states. It's a powerful thing. Then let's go. Now we go, 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 go. Then what else? The next day. And the evening and the morning were the fourth. So we are now done with four days. Wow. Now remember, every day is a state. Do you get it? And divide every day into 24 hours. So there are 24 mini states in a state. And those 24 are not literal 24. Do you understand? They are spiritual 24. So you may be heading towards the fourth state and you arrive there in the next seven years. Do you see? So in that situation, all that you can give to God as offering is herbs and small seeds and things. So you look at your output, which is the uses in terms of its quality. That's what you have. So that's what you give. Do you see? Sometimes I went to God and said, ah, God, upon all the things that I know, I feel like when I speak, I sound like a child. Now, it's not that my voice is like the voice of a child. There's an air of inexperience around me. That me I sense because I also listen to people that don't know what I know, but they seem like they are grown. Not face, no, like there's something. And I say yes. <laughs> you see? So you are not just ahead because you know more things. There's an aspect of growing that you can't do away with. It means that if you're also able to grow with what you know to where you are, you will end up doing more, right? But now, because they have grown with the little they have, with your many that you have without the level of growth they have, it's as if they are superior to you in terms of what they are doing. But it's because they have grown further along. And that growth, you can't shift it. So as I'm sitting here, I can't wait till I feel like I'm grown. I even still feel like when I talk, I'm a child. Yes. It may be different from how you hear me. Because, again, everybody and what they are doing, you get it. But that's how I feel. So what can I do about it? Every time I minister to people, I'm hoping that this is the day that it's not like that. Then it is the day that it is like that. Do you see? But I also feel like somehow every day I gain some small ground. I gain some small ground. I gain some small ground. So that's how we are going. That's how we are going. So we are done with four days. Then go to fifth day. And God said, let the water say, animals, animals, animals. So it's after this that we go to sixth day. Even the sixth day before man came, other things, small, small animals became. Then man came. Let us make man. Right? Then God breathed into him. And God rested. 
cared about God is not done with you. So when I see a baby like this, these are the things that run into my mind. We think God has created her. No, she's now going to be created. Do you see? And God is going to occupy her when she's created. So much to do. Do you see? When I look at children, I'm happy for them. I'm also sad for them. Do you see? Because they are undeveloped. You see, people also wish they were children. I don't know who wishes they were children. There is a responsibility part. You don't miss when somebody controls you. Now you are happy you control yourself now. But you want the responsibility part to go away. Where somebody just sends you money all the time. So look at the child. Wow. A long way to go, right? And we pray that she will go through every step. And her life in the earth will be worth it. You see? So you two are somewhere. Abigail, you're also somewhere. It's back and forth. Eh? Yeah. It's for everybody. Mm. You see, you complain to me. Who do I complain? You don't know, right? So it's as if I don't have complaints. Yeah. yeah it's, not like that. it's back and forth. We, we are deceived. We say we'll never be deceived again. Then we are deceived again. Then we say we'll last and we'll never be deceived again. We'll be deceived again. Do you see? Then we keep moving. We keep moving. We keep moving. Then one day we wake up and say, hey, we have come far. Then we think that this is the final step. Then God deals with us. Then we open our eyes and realize we are in class one. If you let the enemy enter, the enemy will convince you for a few months that then there's no point. That's where you go on track. You vanish for a while. You can't find you. And so I tell you, when you are shepherding, you see all these things. Somebody vanishes. They can't find them. Do you see? When, in fact, they come and tell you stories, right? I mean, if you, I just, oh, okay, well, good, you are back. Because I know what has happened. Who didn't pass through well, what you passed through? So you vanished. You shouldn't have vanished, right? but you vanished. And we know how come you vanished. So you come back. We continue. Say you never vanish again. But when we look at you, the, where you are, you have not crossed that river yet. Do you see? So you vanish again. If we even tell you, you won't believe. But the way you've come and said this, I will never vanish again. Right? So if we tell you, we'll be breaking your heart. It's as if we don't have faith. We'll keep quiet. But we know you vanish again. So you vanish again. We leave you for a while. You come. Do you see? Then you get to the point where you don't vanish again. It doesn't mean you've arrived, though. You've just crossed that stage. That's all. So much more to do. So much more. So much more. So much more. So much more. We begin to hit the realms of temptations. Anybody that enters temptation overcomes. I know you think that you, your temptation don't overcome. I'm telling you it's not temptation. Anybody that hates temptation overcomes. If you are not overcoming, it's not really temptation. You are at, let there be light or something. You understand? Yeah. But when God, it's always like that. You have read Jericho, Jericho for. And look at the Israelites. When they walk with God in the promised land and they were possessing the land, the enemy they meet, they topple the enemy. At times, it's like God will die them because some enemy, it's not time to meet that enemy, right? 
So you have to pass somewhere and then deal with this one first. So the map thing is important. Tell them about God is your friend. In this journey, God is your friend. So if you've gone on, you're on track for six months. God says, come back, come back, come back. You see, come back. Let's continue. It's okay. And that's what the message has done for you. You see. Some of you, you were wondering if you could just, this thing, it won't work for you. See, now God is showing you that it's actually working. This it won't work for me. And you are sad and you are somewhere about it. Go back some years ago. You didn't even lament over your evils. Your evils were good. Your evils were good. There was no separation between day and night for you, for you to even say, hey, this is evil. You're just in the evils and chilling. Now you feel bad. It's a blessing to feel bad. You see? But we don't stop there. You see, we press on. That's what Paul said. We press on. We press on. Put a hymn there. I want us to sing it together. I want us to sing it prayerfully. Yes, I explained to you what Jesus said about drawing, right? That except the Father draws him. Remember that. Yeah. I found a friend. Oh, such a friend. He loved me here. I, I knew him. He drew me with the cords of love. And thus he bound me to him. And around my heart still closely twine those eyes which not cast for I am his and he Forever and forever, found a friend, oh, such a friend. He bled, he died to save me, and not alone the gift of life, but his own self he gave me, not that I have my own, I call, I hold it for the heart, my strength, my life, my all, I is and is forever. You understand that? I think she's singing to found a friend, oh, such a friend. I want you to sing it prayerfully. It is supposed to bless you. It is supposed to inspire you, okay? Not alone, the gift of life, but his own self he gave me. Not that I have my own, I call, I owe this for 
for the Lord, right? Heart, my strength, my life, my all. It's not that you are the one giving it to him. It's for him. You are just holding it for him. You understand that? It's for him. All that you are, it is he that is like that to you. And all that you will ever be it is the Lord that will be like that in you. And that is the regeneration path. It means that when I am weak, I'm sad that I'm weak, but I will glory in my weakness. Because his strength is made perfect in weakness. Let's sing that again. 
found a friend. Oh, such a friend. All power to him, to him is, is given. given. The power is for your sake, right? To, to guard, guard you on your onward course and bring you safe to heaven. But he does something for you. Even when you have not read it, he shows you some eternal glories. It serves as your hope. And it helps to nerve your faith endeavor. Shall I for death? 